This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 21 this morning, Exodus chapter 21. This is one of the passages of scripture that the modern world uses to attack the Bible and oftentimes using it very poorly. Of course, from time immemorial, as far as my life's concerned, I've been, I grew up as a little boy when I was very young. CN came out and CN was on the air all the time. And it was the only full-time cable network. It was the only network where you would, you could watch the news 24 hours a day. In fact, it was 24 hours a day seeing news. And I remember thinking, even as a young boy, how when people on the network on CNN would talk about scripture, they would always talk about it out of context. They would use it, they would use it in a way that was not, was not clearly the way it was written. In fact, they take passages out of context. They would take uh, whole ideas and manipulate them. And that happens with this, this idea, this understanding, this law that God made as the children of Israel are leaving Egypt. And the reason that happens is God wants to First of all, after he gives them the Ten Commandments, as he after he gives them an understanding of his holiness, he wants them to understand that it's important not to go back to anything that they used to have in Egypt. And in Egypt, they had they had perpetual servitude, or what they had was generational uh, slavery. Now, understanding, I used two words there. I used uh, servitude and slavery, and those two words are important. Because they're mentioned a lot in the Bible. They're mentioned a lot in Scripture. In fact, Paul calls himself a bond slave. He calls himself a, a bond slave to Jesus Christ. And in all actuality, that's what that's what this is talking about. The word slave is actually from the word slav. And it comes from the idea that, that when the Muslim Turks took Slavic people captive and made them into perpetual servitude, placed them into perpetual servitude or made them perpetual slaves, they used, they called them Slavs or slaves. And that's where we get the word. So the word is actually about a thousand years old, maybe even less than that, really more like six or 700 years old. And it means perpetual servitude. Now it is a, it is not a Hebrew word. Servant is a Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew idea. It's a Hebrew understanding and perpetual servitude was something that they underwent in Egypt. For 400 years, they were enslaved in Egypt. And, and so they had to perpetually serve their master Pharaoh and their masters, the Egyptians, in slavery. And God said, I, I, that's not what we want. Now, the problem is that in all cultures, in order for you to have an economic system, you've got to have an ability, an ability for capital to pass from certain people to other people. And for a lot of time, a lot of people, 
in order for there to be an ability to take care of the poor, there has to be some way for them to bond or, or take out a loan, really what it is, take out a loan from those who have. Because if I don't have any means of production, if I don't have any means to, to make, I don't have any sheep so that I can have folds in the, in the time of year where the folds come, if I don't have any cattle so that I have calves, if I don't have any, if I don't have any hogs, but of course the Jews wouldn't have had hogs, if I don't have any hogs, but in China, it is very important because pork is the primary meat that's eaten. If I don't have those things, no matter where you are in the world, if I don't have those things, I have to have some ability to get those things. And oftentimes my family is going to starve or I'm going to starve if I can't produce. And the only thing I have to offer is my labor or my work. And by the way, your labor is important because it's what makes you free. You choose to give away your labor. And so if I don't have an ability to trade my labor for food, for shelter, for clothing, then I am destitute. I'm, there's no way for me to take care of myself. Now, if you wanted to totally get rid of servitude, if you wanted to go totally get rid of what some people call slavery, but what others call is labor or work for, for compensation, then people are going to starve because only those who have will have anything because there'll be no free freedom to alienate your products or your labor, which means to give them or trade them or sell them to someone else for something else. There must be some trade or bartering system. And everybody knows that is a common understanding, even in, in the harshest, most difficult economies in the world that are communist, where it, the state is supposed to own everything and freely distribute it to the people. Even in North Korea, in the worst of the communist countries in the world, the most stringent, the most strict communist countries in the world, there's a black market. What is a black market? A black market is where you trade goods and items and maybe even your own work for, for other things. And because your ability, you have an innate, we find this in our constitution. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Then we're all created equal and we're endowed with our creator with certain rights. And one of those rights is freedom. And freedom or liberty is the ability to give my labor, my will, to sub subjugate or to place my will or my heart on certain things. And I have the right to do that from God. It's been given to me. It's a right, a fundamental right that's been given to me by God. And so it's necessary to be able to alienate your labor. That's what God's going to tell Moses to tell the people to do. He's going to give them a way for people to sell their labor on a long-term basis. And when I say long-term, it's limited on a long-term basis so that they can so that they can have free so that they can have food and clothing and shelter so that they can actually in some way move ahead in life. And it says these are the laws you're to set before them. This is Moses hearing from God and God says these are the laws you're set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, notice there is a giving of money and there is a purchase of a Hebrew servant. Who are you giving that money to? Well, you're giving the money to the servant. You're giving the money to the person. You say, they're selling these people. No, that's not what this is going. That's not what's happening here. 
okay? All of them had got freed out of Egypt. They just got to the mountain where God gave them the Ten Commandments. It's only been a few months since they left Egypt. They hadn't fallen back into full slavery and servitude on the trip. That's not what's happening here. What's happening is God setting up a system so that those who don't have a lot, and there are some on this journey that don't have a lot of food, and they don't have a lot of clothing, and they don't have a lot to take care of themselves. Now, you said God's providing them food and water. Sure he is. But oftentimes, you want to move ahead in life. You want to, you want to, you want to be able to buy your own livestock. You want to be able to produce your own materials, your own products so that you can sell and that, so that you can grow in wealth. If you don't have any of that, if you don't have any of that, you've got to work for it. And you've got to save for it. And that's a message for the modern times. You've got to learn to work and you've got to learn to save, and you've got to learn to give God what he's due as far as recognize that God is the Lord of your finances. And when you do those things, you can get ahead. You can begin to purchase things that have value, and that they're things that not only have value for your life, but they have value for your children and for your grandchildren, and they get passed down to those children and grandchildren. A lot of people have worked a long time and saved a whole lot so that those that come behind them would have the resources to do more and to do better than they did. And so if you were a Hebrew and you were out there and you were you didn't have livestock, you didn't have a tent of your own, you didn't have a place to stay outside of the weather, and you wanted to move ahead in life, you wanted to be able to pr- begin to produce your own products and begin to gain in your own wealth, if you wanted to do that, what would you do? You would sell yourself as a servant. You would become an employee of someone there, and you could not do that for more than six years. That's what he says. If you want to be a Hebrew servant, he is to serve for six years. No more. Six years. That's the most. And if you think about it, we don't give loans to people in our society. We don't give loans to people in our society for anything more than six years except for large purchases that are real property or very expensive property, such as you can buy a boat on a 20-year loan, you can buy a travel trailer, you can buy a a mobile home on a 20-year note, you can buy a house on a 30-year note, but all loans that are less than that, automobiles, loans for furniture, loans for property, things like that, all those loans are less than, are six years or less. And why is that? I don't think it's because they're following this law. I think it's because that's what works best. And the reason it works best is because God said that's what works best. He says, you're not to be indebted to somebody for more than six years. Now notice, these servants are not going to do like we do and go get a loan because there's nobody to get a loan from. They're going to get some products. They're going to get some wealth. They're going to gain what we call capital today. They're going to gain capital from their master. He's going to give it to them. And then they're going to come and live in this house and serve him while they take care of their capital. If I were to give, if I were to give myself in servitude for three years for 50 sheep, what would I do? I would work for my master, and then I'd also have my 50 sheep. We see this happening throughout scripture where people place themselves in servitude for a reason. And usually that reason is to gain wealth and to gain the ability to grow their wealth for the future. And that's what's happening here. He says, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he's to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. Notice, 
He's going to go through, and you're not going to. He's not. You're not going to be able to keep him in perpetual servitude. He's not going to have to buy himself out. His labor is going to have paid for what you paid him. And so there is quite clearly God is setting up a system so that poor the poor can gain wealth and move ahead in life, just like those who have means. He says, if he comes alone, he's to go free alone. Notice, if he comes alone, he's to go free alone. But if he has a wife, when he comes, she's to go with him. So if he comes with a wife, he can take his wife with her. If he comes without a wife, he, when he leaves, he can go without, without having to pay to leave. Now, if his master gives him a wife, and she bears him a son or daughter, the woman and her children shall belong to the master, and only the man shall go free. And you go, that's, whoa, 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 what, what? Well, notice, this woman didn't just come from nowhere. This woman came from his master's household. And if his master gave him a wife from his household, that means he's now a part of the family. He's not just a servant in the household. He's a part of the family. He's just like Moses and Jethro. When Moses went to serve in Jethro's house and gained wealth, great wealth from the sheiks of Midian, when he gained that great wealth, the way he did it was he became a servant of Jethro. And Jethro gave him one of his daughters. So he went from being a servant of Jethro to a son-in-law of Jethro. And Jethro gave him his daughters, not for him to lose his grandchildren when the time of servitude was over. He gave him those th that, that daughter so that he would be his son-in-law forever. And so this passage is saying, look, if the master gives you a wife, and listen, you have sons and daughters by that, we're not going to take those grandchildren away from the master. He's now the, the father-in-law and the granddaddy. We're not, no, that's not how that's going to work. He says, if the son wants to go, that's fine, but we're not going to take the grandchildren away from him. And I think that is appropriate. Uh, in fact, I don't think once you uh, become um, the master's son-in-law that you should leave. And if you do leave, uh, there has to be some ties back to that relationship. It's important that those ties remain, that you keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing as far as a familial relationship. And so he goes, listen, God says, if if you take a wife and she's from the household, then you can leave if y'all haven't had children. But when y'all start having children in the household and now there's grandchildren for the one who's paid for you to be there, then you're a part of the family. And if you leave, you got to go by yourself. You can't take you can't take the daughter and the children with you. That's just not going to work. And it doesn't work if that's how it worked out. He says, but if your servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, what he's saying is, I want to be a part of the family. I don't want to have my freedom from this relationship. I don't want to have my freedom from my master and the relationship with him. I want to be a part of the family. Then his master must take him before the judges. This is important. This is how you become a permanent bond slave because now you're in the family. You're a part of what, what would be later on a picture of God's family. He says you're taken before the judges, meaning everybody needs to know that now you're in the family. He says take him before the judges and you shall take him to the doorpost. It also means 
taking before God. The word judge can be translated here, God. It's a very rudimentary word for God. It's not the one of the primary Hebrew words for God, but it does mean God. He says you're supposed to you're supposed to take him before the judges, meaning everybody's supposed to know that he's now part of the family. And then you take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Uh, there is a shedding of blood. That's important. Uh, that's a picture of redemption. That's a picture of being a part of the family. There's take him before the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl, and then he will be his servant for life, meaning he'll be a part of the family for life. He's going to be now not his own entity, his own family unit. His All that he is going to be a part of the family. And so he's going to rise and fall as the family rises and falls. He's going to be part of what's going on in that family for the rest of his life. And God is right to give him the right or the opportunity to remain a part of the family. How many people do you know who have their own family, but maybe have someone else that, that has been a part of the family for years and years? They're not a natural part of the family, meaning they're not biologically a part of the family. They've ever been as much a part of the family as anybody else. They may have taken on a job or a role at some point in time in the past, and over time, they've just become one of the, one of the people in the family. And maybe they were a worker for somebody, or maybe maybe they, they lived down the road and they helped out. And then it's just one of those things where that now they're just in. They're just in the family. This is a very similar situation. This person has invested everything into this family, and his whole family now, his family is that family. And so he wants to be a part of it. He wants to be bonded in for life. He wants to be made a bond slave for life. And that's what Paul calls himself as far as Christ. He says, he says, I didn't have a right to be in the family of God. I didn't have a way to get to the family of God, but, but, but God paid for me. He bought me at a price, and I want to be a part of that family forever. I want to be forever in that family. And so he, I go to the doorpost after I've gone before either the judges or God himself, the main thing is a public profession that I'm going to be a part of this family. And then I have my ear, I have my ear pierced with an awl. And so I am a servant for life. I'm a servant of God for the rest of my life. And, and that's what Paul said he was. And the truth is, that's a picture of who we are. And so this passage is a very important passage, not just for the social economic issues of the time when the Israelites were in the desert receiving the law of God. It's an important understanding for eternal purposes. We are all bond slaves. We were all bought at a price, and we have chosen to be a part of the family of God for the rest of our lives. We're in the family, and you're in the family. And so you ought to see this as not a, a reason to detract from Scripture. In fact, it's a very beautiful picture of God's plan for us. Even though we were alienated, even though we were lost, even though we were depraved, even though we were destitute and had nothing, God has provided a way for us. God has given us the good things of this world and the good things of his kingdom. And we have the ability to become rich in his kingdom and rich in his purposes in this world. And once we were bought into price, we're a part of the family of God. And I hope you'll begin to look at this as we're going through this chapter this week, because it's an important chapter. It's a chapter that shows that those who were enslaved to sin can be redeemed out of sin and brought into the family of God. And God has richly blessed us with his grace. 
And even those who don't become a part of the family, they receive the common grace of God because of the because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. They don't receive eternal grace, and they may remain lost and spend eternity separated from God. But while they walk this earth, they get the richness of God's grace in today's and today as far as today is today. And so I pray that for you, you won't just receive the common grace that everyone receives, but you will receive the special grace that only comes from being a part of the family of God. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.